Hey, welcome to Bulls Gold here on Nothing But Net Radio, a part of Dash Radio. I'm Edward Schuler, joined by Salim Sudawala. Salim, how are you doing today, man? Good, Edward. Uh, excited. Uh, we're counting down to the first game preseason. I know it's preseason, but still very excited to finally see some uh, see some Bulls uh, basketball. Yeah, there's a lot of buzz in the air for the first preseason game on Friday. We know training camp is ongoing right now, but a lot of excitement for Bulls fans. And uh, joining us today to talk about some of that excitement and training camp and what we can expect from the team this season, among other things, co-host of Cap and J-Hood on ESPN Chicago, David Kaplan. Kaplan, thank you so much for joining us today, man. Hey, anything for you guys. Salim's my guy. We tangle on Twitter, but it's always good-natured and a lot of fun. So, yeah, it's an honor to be on with you two. Yeah, I, I like to poke the bear sometimes on, on Twitter. He just does, but he's also, Edward, too negative. It's literally negative. the Cubs are up 48 to nothing with two outs in the bottom of the ninth and no one on, and he feels like they're going to blow it. Uh, oh, well, I, with that said, I'm not a Cubs fan either, so I just like to play along and mess with you. So. <laughs> Poke the bear. Uh, oh, <laughs> poke the bear. <laughs> Plenty of time to poke the bear today, too. So l- let's let's talk about training camp. A lot of good feelings in the air right now. New regime. Uh, we still have a lot of the same players from last year, but uh, new rookie in Patrick Williams that a lot of people are excited about. But it just feels like a really good time right now with Bulls fans. A lot of people are looking forward to this upcoming season. So how, how do you feel about this team's overall outlook going into the season right now, Dave? Uh, look, it's still in the rebuilding phase. Just because you get a new you know, basketball head in Arturis Karnaschovas and a new GM in Mark Eversley and a new head coach in Billy Donovan and a new staff, you still got to look around the league and go, okay, we don't have Durant and Kyrie. We don't have Anthony Davis and LeBron James. We don't have Giannis Antetokounmpo, and I can keep going. So it's still in a rebuild. You're trying to learn a whole new way of doing things. You know, just one example, Jim Boylan loved to blitz ball screens at the top of the key. When I say blitz, that is we blitz that thing as hard as we can and try and make it really tough on the opposition. Billy Donovan doesn't believe in that concept. It's much more of a either fight through a screen or switch on a screen. He's got a different way he wants his teams to play. Now, the best X's and O's, the best laid plans of mice and men don't always work out. They've got to get more talent in here. But it starts with changing the culture. And I commend Michael and Jerry Reinsdorf, who in a pandemic very easily could have said, man, we got Jim Boylan under contract. It's cheap money. We've got guard packs under contract. No, they said enough is enough. And they have blown it up and spent tens of millions of dollars. So I think that's really cool. So going into the, this offseason, I think maybe some Bulls fans thought there would be a much more movement Um AK and Eversley have chosen to go a more conservative route. And even on draft, they decided to go with their guy at number four. Uh, what, has you, what have you been your thoughts on how they've approached this offseason? Well, I scouted four years in the league. And before I got into two years with the Seattle Sonics, who became the Thunder, and then two years with the Pacers, it was, hey, man, we need to go get this. Let's go make a move. But then you start to find out, well, hold on a second. 
we don't have salary cap room here. And if we make this move, we got to move that guy because the salary's got to match up. So much as I wanted them to go out and get, make a trade to get Giannis or go out and find a way to convince Anthony Davis or go get James Harden or whatever big star is on the table and available, I think that's probably pie in the sky because you've got to lay your foundation, get Otto Porter's money off the books, get to the end of the Felicio deal, and you're going to start to have some ability then. Patrick Williams has to hit. And then you look and you go, okay, our number one pick there looks like he's going to be a player. Now, is Zach Levine going to be 24 points a game, which we call empty calories, or can he under Billy Donovan and this new regime become much more of what I like to call a winning player? I don't care if he goes from 24 to 19 points a game if he's a better player. I don't need him to score 30 points a game. So I'm, I like that they're taking a slow but steady approach, get some bad contracts off the books, because in all actuality, who were they really going to get in free agency, and why would you tie your hands to big money for an older player if you don't have a chance to win with said player? Mm-hmm. Exactly, and I think that's why a lot of people are looking at the this season as an evaluation period because – AK and Eversley want to see how these new players or how the players that we've had can perform with just simply an upgrade in coaching. I mean, we went so long having below average coaching with Fred Hoiberg and, of course, Jim Boylan, that having just a merely an average coaching staff could make a big difference. So given given, uh, the the upgrade in coaching, and you, you mentioned that they're going to change defensive schemes, especially on the pick and roll with the drop coverage do you think changes like this can really give the bulls a boost in being able to possibly compete for one of those uh those those play-in uh games next season or maybe even just clinch a playoff spot next year like do you think that this young team is capable of that even though they don't have have a star but are they capable of having that type of ceiling this season yeah i do think they can get to the playoffs i do but again Is Otto Porter going to play 20 games or is Otto Porter going to play all whatever we end up playing? Who knows with COVID? Let's call it 70 games. Mm -hmm. Is he going to be on the court for the majority of those? Because if he is, this guy was taken third overall for a reason. He's a very talented player. We just haven't been able to see it here in Chicago. Um, You know, is Kobe White going to make the transition from looking like the second coming of Jamal Crawford to – Billy Donovan saying, yeah, I don't want Chris Dunn back here because I want Kobe White to be our primary ball handler. Well, Kobe White is not at this particular moment a primary ball handler. He's more of a combo guard rather than a pure point guard. I can't tell you the last time the Bulls had a pure point that they had for a multiple number of seasons to get used to their system. They had Rondo here briefly, and then he was gone. They haven't committed to a lead guard who understands the concept of being a four-pass guard. And when I say a four-pass guard, it's real easy to dribble down, look at the wing, throw it there, go run away the other side, refill and come around the base. I want a guy who, when he has the ball in his hands, he not only sees the guy open on the wing, he's like, well, if I take two dribbles here, bam, I can enter it this way to the post, or I can skip it over the top and I can hit a guy there for an open look. 
or I could feed the post, and then I could dive to the corner, and I might get a shot. I'm talking about a guy who understands what the other four guys are supposed to do at all times. We haven't had that. Because you're not in a we-think-we-can-win-the-title mentality now, can we get in the playoffs and make a run? That's not where they're at. This is a great opportunity for Billy Donovan, who is a brilliant teacher of guards, to work with Kobe White throughout the year, learn on the job, baptism by fire, whatever you want to call it. I like the way Billy's approaching things. Another uh, player that everyone's going to be really watching this season is Lowry Markinen, and he had a very disappointing season last year. Um, some could argue maybe it was Jim Boylan's fault or, you know, Larry didn't really maybe commit himself the way he should in the offseason on working on certain aspects of his game. What do you see Larry's future as? And, and what is something that you see like maybe that you would say, okay, if I see this from Larry, this is what I think a successful season is for him? Look, prior to last season, you could argue that if they redrafted Lowry's draft class, prior to last season, uh, that Lowry would have gone somewhere in the top three. So, you know, go back to that draft class, and if you're rewinding your brain to 12 months ago, we're thinking Lowry's going to take a big step. Jason Tatum's obviously a great player, but trying to remember how that draft – was that the Markel Fultz? Yep. uh, Lonzo Ball, Jason Tatum draft? Yeah, Mm -hmm. Mitchell, Donovan Mitchell, I believe. Donovan Mitchell obviously going 13 to Utah became the surprise in that draft. But there is no reason that Lowry Markkinen should be at the end of last season. We look at him and go, I don't know, is that guy a bust? He was one of my favorite players in that draft class. And I'm not talking about as a fan. I'm talking about as a guy who did this for a living – watching a guy at seven feet tall who can put the ball on the deck, who can pass the ball, who's athletic, who can run, and they can step out to 23 feet and knock down jump shots with regularity. Lowry Markkinen has a chance to be a very impactful NBA player. Now, he's not Dirk Nowitzki. He's never going to be Dirk Nowitzki. I know that was the comp that people wanted to put on him, but there is no reason that Lowry Markkinen is not a long-term piece and a long-term asset for the Chicago Bulls. I, I love the way the guy plays. His bounce-back story is definitely going to be one of the bigger storylines of his season. And on that same note of talking about the draft, when the Bulls selected Patrick Williams with the fourth overall pick, it definitely was one of the more surprising, I think, lottery picks the Bulls have made in a long time. What was your initial reaction to the Bulls taking Patrick Williams, and how do you see his game translating to the next level? So he's incredibly raw. Uh, I was told by one, by one of the people in the Florida State program that had the pandemic not hit and we went to the NCAA tournament and the uh, ACC tournament, that they were moving him into the starting lineup. Because on draft night, there were a number of Bulls fans on social media going, he couldn't even start for his college team. Well, go back and look at Leonard Hamilton's track record for many, 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 many years. And he's also been an NBA coach. Leonard Hamilton does not start freshman. He plays 10, 11, 12 guys. And if you earn the right to beat a veteran upperclassman out, he'll play more minutes than he probably normally would with a freshman. 
but then we don't get the SEC tournament where he would have been a starter and everything shuts down. I think the guy is loaded with ability, but he's a very raw player. And so when you take that swing, we had our tourists on AM 1000 on Captain J hood and his comment to me, I thought was something I had heard from Donnie Walsh. When I worked for the Pacers, when you're picking in the top five, and you are not like one player away where you go, well, we probably ought to take the guard. We really need a guard. When you're in a rebuild, you swing for the fences at a top five pick. They're picking four. Yeah, they're safer picks. You could take, I love the Halliburton kid at Iowa State. He ended up in Sacramento. I think he's going to have a really good career. You take, those are safe picks. We don't know Patrick Williams is going to develop. We hear he has a great work ethic. He better. We hear he's an amazing kid in the room. He better because when you become a professional basketball player, that is your craft. That is your life. It's not, hey, we got practice for two hours and then I'm out of here. It's your diet. Do you get enough sleep? Do you work out away from basketball practice? Are you trying to get stronger? Do you show up early? Do you work on your jump shot? Do you work on your ball handling? Do you watch film? A lot of guys say they will do that. They're not willing to commit their life to being better. You hand a 20-year-old guy, 19, millions of dollars. Unless he's got a great support system and a great head on his shoulders, some guys can never, ever overcome that. They believe their research tells him that this kid's all about one thing, being the best he can be. And if that's accurate they're going to have a really good player. Speaking of AK, you said, you, you obviously, I heard the spot that you guys had done with him on ESPN 1000. What kind of feel do you get from it? Because I know a lot of people in the past with Paxson, he was kind of a guy that wore his heart on his sleeve. You can kind of see, you know, when he you interviewed him, he, for the most part, early, at least early in his career, he was pretty upright, forthright with what his thoughts were about the team and what he wanted to do. How, what kind of feel do you get when you speak with AK? Uh, I think AK's incredibly excited to be in Chicago. Look, Sam Presti was the original guy that the Bulls had targeted, and then the pandemic hit. He makes $8 million a year in Oklahoma City where the cost of living is, what, a third of what it is in Chicago, a half? And so all of a sudden, now you're the owner going, hold on a minute. It's not just his $8 million. Now I got to hire a GM to work for him. I got to get a whole new coaching staff. Like, that's a lot of money, man, because he's going to ask you for six, seven-year commitment. We're talking $50 million just for one guy in your front office. So Sam Presti is no longer in play. Now they start looking around. And AK had made the comment to somebody I know in the league, look, I love it in Denver. I loved it in Houston, but it's New York, Chicago, and LA. And if you're in one of those markets, you are at the pinnacle of your career. Now you can say, well, New York, the Knicks are horrible. That's still the Knicks. That's still Madison Square Garden. It still matters. And if you win with the Knicks, you're legendary forever. So AK rolls in here. He's got carte blanche from the Reinsdorfs. You do what you have to do. Okay, I'm getting rid of the trainer. That's going to cost us, pick a number, 400 grand. I'm getting rid of the player development people. That's another million. 
I'm getting rid of all the assistants who all have another year on their contract. That's another $3 million. I'm going to get Billy Donovan. I'm shopping, as Jonathan Hood likes to say, at the top shelf. Well, that's going to cost us $25, $30 million. Okay, he wants to go steal two really good assistants. Well, they're going to make seven, eight hundred thousand dollars You start totaling this all up without one ticket being sold, and you go, wow, I didn't really realize that. And then he says to you, yeah, instead of having one player development guy, I want four. There's another million. You start totaling up the commitment level they've made. They want to win. And Arturis is in uh, what we like to call one of the plum jobs in the league. What do you think about that, though, with – uh, because a, a lot of fans, and we can't really blame them, didn't really think that the Reinsdorfs would ever move on from Gar Foreman and John Paxson. It almost felt like they had Pope jobs, they have jobs for life. And John Paxson is still theoretically, I mean, he's still technically with the organization as some type of advisor or whatever he's doing right now. But they they have given control to Arturus Karnishevis, who has no prior ties to the Reinsdorf. Eversley, no prior ties. They just complete outsiders, which is just something really foreign to how the Bulls have kind of operated when you look at history under this under the Reinsdorf. So I say that to say, like, do you buy that the Reinsdorfs are just like that how they've done the, how they've done this with AK and Eversley? Like, do you think they're for real with this and they're just gonna let them do their job? Is this just going to be out the way and they're just going to empower them to really make this uh, basketball organization great one more time? Yes. Yes. That was Arturis looked Jerry and Michael in the eye and he said, okay, I'll take this, but I got to know you're in it to win it. And Jerry has said to him, I know Jerry has said this to others and I believe him. Jerry doesn't lie. He may tell you something you don't like, but Jerry is always as honest as the day is long. And Jerry said, I'll go into the luxury tax if you could tell me you think we have a chance to win. But I'm not going to live in the luxury tax and throw good money after bad on a team that goes 40 and 42 and has zero chance of winning. And I don't disagree with him. I don't. You know, I got a nice house, but I don't have a mansion. Well, I'm not going to put a swimming pool that's this big because that's all the backyard I have. Well, but we got a swimming pool. It's a stupid expenditure, just like spending in the luxury tax for the 2019-20 Chicago Bulls. Just let, let's take last year's Bulls team and give every single player a $20 million raise. So all of a sudden now we have the highest payroll in the NBA. Are we in the playoffs? No. <laughs> Are we winning the title? No. Spend when spending makes sense. Don't tell me we're this close and we can get that guy, nope, I'm not going to spend it. Well, then you're not trying to win. I believe Jerry is trying to win, and I believe that's why Arturis is here. Let's switch gears a little bit here. Uh, obviously, everyone knows you in town as um, as being in sports media, the one of the largest Chicago uh, media personalities in general. And – I think a lot of people don't realize you do have a big basketball background. You started out coaching uh, four years, I believe it was at NIU. Uh, You have background in uh, scouting at the highest level. You scouted for the Pacers and the Supersonics. Uh, Tell me how you got started like in basketball and what was your uh, process like when you were scouting? So 
I was a high school, excuse me, a college senior in Minneapolis, St. Paul. I left my fraternity, Alpha Tau Omega, and I walked to the student center where we had our PO boxes. And I'm going to get my mail. And I go get my mail. I lock up the little box, and I look, and there's a sign like right here, and it says, "Local high school looking for assistant coach." And so I take the number down. I call, and the coach there said, "Yeah, you come in for an interview. I'm looking for you know just somebody to coach the junior varsity and be the assistant varsity coach. Pays a thousand dollars for the semester." And I'm like, $1,000? You know how much beer we can drink in my fraternity on $1,000? Plus, it's what I wanted to do. So I go interview. He gives me the gig. And I am coaching. My fraternity would all come and sit in the stands and watch my teams play. So now we win the junior varsity conference title. Not a big deal. It's St. Paul, Minnesota. It's whatever. It's not, we don't have any great players. The... Season ends. I get accepted to law school. My late father was a lawyer. I have zero interest in being a lawyer. And I graduate from college. I have no idea what I'm going to do with my life. They offer me at the high school to be the sophomore coach and the assistant varsity. And now they're going to pay me, I think it was $3,000. So I figure, I guess I'll go to law school, take the three grand, put it towards my expenses, borrow the rest of the money, and then figure my life out from there having zero interest in wanting to do it. I come home from graduation. I'm a newspaper man. I like reading the paper, not on my computer. I like holding the paper. I like it. So I get it delivered to my driveway still to this day. I get the paper. I'm at my parents' house. I open it up and there's this little column that says transactions. And it goes, Chicago Cubs, you know, declined option on Kyle Schwarber. Uh, Chicago Bulls hired Billy Donovan and lists all the transactions throughout the sports world. And it says Purdue University fired their assistant basketball coach. And I think to myself, wait a minute, Purdue, I can do that job. So I call, there's no Google back then. I call 411 directory assistance. Yeah. Can I have the number please for Purdue University men's basketball in Lafayette, Indiana? Yeah. And they give me the number and I have a photographic memory. It was 317-494-3214. I haven't called that number in 25 years. And I call Purdue basketball. Hi, is Coach Katie available? Gene Katie. He's in the Hall of Fame. And they said, yeah, who's calling? David Kaplan, the coach at Kellogg High School in St. Paul, Minnesota. Hold on. Coach Katie. I said, hey, coach, my name's David Kaplan. I'm the coach at Kellogg High School in Minnesota, and I saw that you fired so-and-so. I'd like to apply for that job. He said, uh, how old are you? I'm 21. 21. Uh, do you have any Big Ten level players on your team? No, sir, we do not. He said, well, 21, no experience, one year at a junior varsity job. Uh, my recommendation is go get 10 years experience and call me in 10 years. And he hangs up. And I'm devastated thinking, how do you not know that I can do this job for you? 24 hours later, I pick up the same Chicago Sun-Times again, and there says Northern Illinois announced the resignation of their assisted basketball coach. I call Northern. I get the number from directory, 815-753-1633. 
basketball coach McDougal. He doesn't even have a secretary. And I'm on the phone with this guy. I tell him the same spiel that I told Gene Katie. Hey, man, I can do this job. Sorry, I got to have someone with college experience. I said, coach, you got to let me drive out there and meet with you tomorrow. Well, he died in 2016. And if he was alive, he would say to you, guys, I only let him drive out here to get this jackass off the phone. He wouldn't let me go. I drive out there. And you know how you meet somebody and in two seconds, you either love them or hate them. You might go, I'm going to marry that person. That's going to be my best friend. Whatever it is, you know in two seconds whether you like them or not. <clears throat> I walk in. I meet this John McDougal. And in two seconds, he's 64 or 5. I'm 21. We have zero in common. And I absolutely love this guy. I'm like, that's my guy. He takes me on a walk around campus. We are gone for three hours. Here's where our team lives in that dorm, Neptune. That's where they eat. Here's where the math building is. That's the arena. Here's where our team watches film. Here's the locker room. Here's the coach's locker room. We get a cup of coffee. I don't even drink coffee at that time in my life. Now I do. And I guzzle down coffee with him. We get back to his office, shakes my hand. He said, David, you're a hell of a nice young man. I'm sure you'll be very successful what you do, but you're utterly unqualified for this job. I said, coach, all it takes is work ethic and personality, and I have both. Yeah, sorry, my athletic director will never go for that. Not going to happen. And so I leave, and I'm almost in tears in the car. I don't want to be a lawyer. I don't want to go to law school, and I want that job. So I don't get it. First week of August, I am two weeks from starting law school. Two weeks. First week of August, I save my money and I go to a basketball clinic at the Hyatt Regency in Milwaukee. Hubie Brown and Mike Fratello are putting on a two-day clinic. I pay my money. I get my hotel room. I know nobody. And I'm in there with my little pad, Exxon and Owen. Hubie Brown's talking about the flex offense and Mike Fratello's talking about man-to-man defense, ball-you-man concepts, and I'm writing as fast as I can, everything I can get. And then all of a sudden, there's 500 coaches there. Uh, David Kaplan, please come to the front desk of the hotel immediately. Who the hell? No one knows I'm here except my parents. Go up to the front desk. They said, yeah, you have four urgent messages from your mother. You've got to call home. There's no cell phones. I'm like, okay, this can't be a good message. So I call home. I'm like, mom, everybody okay? Yes, but this coach McDougal has called over and over looking for you. You got to call him right now. Okay. I call him back. He's like, boy, you're a tough guy to get a hold of. I said, yeah, I'm at a basketball clinic. Well, my third assistant, which is called the part-time assistant, means part-time pay, full-time hours. He just resigned. Do you want that job? I'll give you that job. It pays $4,200 for the year. I'll give you that job. And I'm leaving for law school in like 12 days. And I said this quickly, done, I'm in. He's like, whoa, slow down. You're done, you're in? I said, yes. He goes, well, what about law school? Your mom told me you were going to law school. I said, pardon my language, screw law school. I have no interest in doing that. This is what I want. I want to work in sports. And I'm telling you, I'm going to show you 
that I can do this job. He's like, done. I need you here next Friday. We start camp, and you're going to be working my camp. You make a couple extra bucks and get yourself an apartment. We go to work. School's starting. Done. I'm in. One year later, our recruiting coordinator gets deathly sick, almost dies. He's in the hospital for six months. They promote me to recruiting coordinator. No more money, but now I've got the ability to be on the road recruiting. And I start meeting assisted coaches from everywhere. I can tell you, I remember the night I am in a hotel. My best friend in the world to this day is Kevin O'Neill. Outside of family, KO and I are tight. And he's the assistant at Arizona. KO is letting me stay in his hotel room so I don't have to spend any money out of our budget. Two guys walk up. KO, can we stay in your room tonight? We don't have any money for a room. Cap's already got the other bed. You guys can get cots or sleep on the floor. And those two guys turned out to be Tom Izzo and Tom Cream. I end up walking down the aisle at O'Neill's wedding with Tom Izzo because there weren't enough bridesmaids. I am at Tom Crean's wedding when he married Jim and John Harbaugh's sister. And it just led from there. And all of a sudden, I'm out recruiting and we're signing players and I'm meeting coaches. And it led to everything that I developed that four years at Northern got me to the NBA and then got me to where I am that you want to talk to me today. Easy. That's that's exciting that's is really exciting stuff like um you know you talk about where you are today is there anything that to this day that you're so like i can't believe this is my job and i can't believe i just experienced this yeah i wake up every single morning about 4 a.m i grab my mug of coffee i take a shower i get in the car and when i'm coming down the kennedy And as I come in and I see the skyline of Chicago, I'm not exaggerating to you. This is every single day. I look at that skyline. I grew up here. This is my town. This is where I want to die. I love Chicago. And I see that skyline. I go, I'm going to talk sports on the morning show on ESPN with a guy in hoodie that I adore in my town. I'm not working in like Pocatello, Idaho. I'm working on ESPN in Chicago the day after a Bears game. People are tuning in. Bulls, Cubs, I'm there the night they win the World Series. And the moment that final out happens, the first voice you heard on the postgame show on NBC was me. Me and Todd Hollingsworth. Oh, my God. I mean, you can't script it like that. I'm the most blessed dude in the world. That is crazy. That, that's awesome. That's so surreal. <laughs> Dave, thank you for joining us. It's like listening to that was just extremely motivating and just just fantastic story. I, I'm sure our listeners know where they can find you at, where they can hear you at, but can you just tell us like outside of the show what else you have going on and just any like final thoughts you can uh, provide our listeners? Uh, absolutely. So they can catch me 7 to 10 every morning on ESPN 1000, the Cap J Hood Morning Show. You catch me on NBC Sports Chicago, where I do the football after show. I used to do Sports Talk Live. We don't do that show anymore, but I'm doing the winter meetings all week for Major League Baseball this week. It's an amazing place to work. That it's, I've been here 12 years. It's one of the great shops I've ever worked in. 
The people here at TV are incredible, as they are at radio. And I was the guy, if you ask my four boys, if you ask my boys what I told them when they went off to college, don't you dare ever, ever get a tattoo. Don't be coming home here thinking <laughs> your mother and I are going to accept you getting a tattoo. And so our oldest, who's 30, he's getting married next July. He gets into a car accident. I get the call. I race to Lutheran General. He's laying in agony in the emergency room. He's got blood all over him. Thank God he's okay. They're cutting his shirt off of him. And on the side of his ribs, it's a tattoo that says, I'm me. Now, a normal person would say to the doc, is he okay? First thing I said, what the F, Nick? A freaking tattoo? And he's in <laughs> agony, and I'm firing on him for getting a tattoo. But that's just who I am. Well, to make a long story short, if you saw me without a shirt on now, I've got four tattoos. I've got, and I've gotten them all in the last year. Right at the top of my right shoulder, it says live life all in. I have a shark right underneath that because a shark does what? It never stops moving. Even when it's sleeping, sharks keep moving. Be a shark. Shark life, I like to call it. Just keep grinding, man. Never, ever give up because you know what it does? It really pisses your competition off. If they look and go, freaking guy, do you ever sleep? It really bothers them, and I love that. So that's you know something that I am really, really big on. And then my left arm has a unity tattoo because I'm really big on we're in a bad place in our country. We're so divided. Why can't we all accept you be you, I'll be me, but let's all come together and not have so much hatred. And then I have a huge tattoo on my left arm of the city of Chicago with the skyline because that's just who I am. So my, my mantra when I speak to people is live life all in. If you are truly going to be my friend and I'm going to be your friend, then be my friend and I'll be your friend 100% all in. Or why are we wasting each other's time? If you're going to say, you know what, I'm going to eat healthy. Well, then 99% of the time, other than when you want to cheat, enjoy something, do it. If you're going to work out, do it. Don't just do it and say, I kind of did it. You're wasting everyone's time. But if you live life all in, the good, the bad, and the everything, you will be successful in whatever you choose to do if you're passionate about it. It's up to you. I love Excellent. It. Well, thank you so much for uh, hopping on and uh, talking to us today, Cap. Uh, we really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank Thanks you for so having much. Me. It's an honor to be on with you and uh, appreciate your support. Always listening to ESPN 1000. You're a good man. Hey, I'm 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 a P1 all day. So I, I listen to all you guys from from you, Jay Hood, to Carmen Yurko, to Sylvie uh, Waddle, and my guys Fleck and Abdallah, who are yeah, the uh, two dudes from Libertyville. Yeah, those guys, those guys, those are my guys, and those are the guys yeah. that I, I like to give you a hard time with. So yeah, they they make me laugh. I love those guys. Yeah, <laughs> oh, they're awesome. So thanks for having me. Yeah, yes, appreciate sir. it so Take much, care. Dave. Take care, man. You got it. See you guys. All right. Yep. That was fantastic. Uh, yeah. So uh, switching gears, I mean, hard to follow that up. Uh, just a great story by Dave Kaplan. Uh, just getting into some final thoughts about preseason coming up. Salim, I'm going to ask you this. 
there's a lot of hype about Wendell Carter Jr. right now, it feels like, uh, especially after what Kobe White said uh, today about how the offense is going to be, is going to allow Wendell Carter Jr. basically to really become more of himself, to really possibly even break out. He probably handle the ball more, probably pass more, probably take some more threes is what we've been looking at or expecting from Wendell Carter Jr. So are you buying into the hype for Wendell Carter Jr. this season and what Billy Donovan can do for him? You know, I, I really want to. I know there's a lot of um, training camp and, you know, preseason. There's a lot of fluff. You know, we're all excited. Uh, but we know coming into the league, Wendell Carter had those potential skills where he he showed that he could shoot the ball in college and out to the three-point line, you saw that, you know, even on low volume, he had, he was, I think, shot like, what, 40% behind the arc. Yeah. Uh, there were, you saw uh, 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 at times where he could, you know, pass the ball to uh, for a big that I feel like he has good vision. Um, and then last season, I think, towards the end of last season and into the, uh, after the pandemic, I think even Wendell mentioned, you know, you're going to see a new Wendell uh, next season when you come in and hearing all this in camp like how Billy Donovan wants to use uh, uh, Wendell and even Kobe White today was saying you know Wendell is you know shooting the ball really well we're seeing a different Wendell out there and yeah I, I, I want to believe it I want to see that I think maybe finally get comes to fruition where his offensive game um, takes that next step where he becomes a legit uh pick and pop player uh you utilize him in the high post uh you know finding cutters to the basket things like that so yeah i definitely want to believe that and i think it, it we might see it happen yeah i'm with you like I, i'm buying into it completely and i still think there's a chance for window carter jr to assume that al horford type of role that he had in his prime years and the talk about handling the ball and passing really excites me and I think the key to that, as so many people have mentioned before, is that he really has to start taking and making those perimeter shots. And as you mentioned, we we saw him do it some, not at high volume, but at least at okay volume at Duke. He's got good form. And if he can really get that confidence where he is making the defense respect his shot, he's taking those threes, he's taking those mid-range jumpers, I think it unlocks a lot for this Bulls offense. And we know just how important a player he is overall. And if he's doing that offensively and then he's still giving you what he can defensively and he's going to be in a better position now defensively with this drop coverage to really help the team and add value on the defensive side of all, his outlook looks fantastic to me. And I, I'm still excited to see, and we talked about this, I believe, with uh, with uh, Spencer Perlman. Uh, I'm excited to see him and Patrick Williams on the court together at some point because if they're at the five and the four, man, I think that defensive versatility could be really, really good because both of those guys are just really smart and versatile defenders. So I, I'm completely buying into everything Wendell Carter Jr. right now. Yeah, and and I'm I'm liking also. Obviously, we 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 talked about this with Cap, and he's going to be changing. Uh, Billy Donovan, that is, is going to be changing the defensive scheme 
which I think will do Wendell dividends as well because he won't have to spend so much energy on defense to try to cover up uh, for others. Um, I think that the drop back uh, defensive scheme that they're going to use, I think he'll have to cover less ground. He won't have to like you know like run out to the perimeter to to do that uh, blitz uh, trapping the, the the guard up blitz and and then go back to recover again on on his man. So I think that defensive scheme will benefit him and really all our bigs. Yeah, exactly. And uh, another thing is too, and we also mentioned this with uh, when we were talking to Cap is. Kobe White now assuming the role as the lead guard. So he's going to, he's going to be in the starting lineup. We know that much. And Billy Donovan seems to trust that he's going to be an improved player and be able to run this offense. Now, I I know that the general consensus is that Kobe White is a combo guard, and I agree with it. So I think it's going to be interesting to see if he does have any improvement in playmaking. Do you expect that or I don't, I don't know, at least for me, I, I'm looking at it as even though I don't think Kobe White is going to be like some pure point guard or anything like that, I still think that if we can get each player in this lineup moving the ball and finding the open man, I think that can make up some for not really having like that pure like number one guy who can get shots for everybody, right? Yeah, th- that is key. I, but I think you need to. They need to have the IQ to do it. I'm hoping that it works out. We're seeing how Levine saying he's studying uh, Billy Donovan's new offensive playbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, uh, Billy is entrusting uh, Kobe uh, to be the lead ball handler, which I I I like that because I think we've seen enough from Zach now as a lead guy. Where I think he needs need to take a step back there. Uh, ideally, Kobe does take some kind of leap. We saw a little bit of it in that span when he was really trying to play well after the All-Star break, uh, break uh, apologize, where he showed a little bit ability to to get his teammates involved. And I think that's the thing. He needs to, not only with Zach, but especially with Kobe now, he's going to be the lead guy. He needs to not have that tunnel vision. So. Mm-hmm he's always looking to score so that he's going to have to change his mentality a little bit then we'll see if that really works if he can really keep his head up uh start seeing the floor better and maybe a guy like Maurice Cheeks really helps him with that especially not only on running the offense but even on the defensive end because obviously Maurice Cheek was known as a, a lockdown you know defender he's a hall of fame point guard in general but he was really known also as a lockdown a defender at, at, at the backcourt in the backcourt so yeah you know it's it's he's probably him and Co- uh, Wendell and Kobe are definitely the two guys that I'm most excited about and it'll be interesting I think that could really even make or break the season Kobe if he doesn't take that stop if he's still kind of the same player you'll probably see a lot of struggles on the offensive side uh, but if he's able to, you know, really improve on that end, I think we'll definitely see this team, this young team, take, you know, a step forward. And I don't know if that's necessarily making the playoffs or even that tenth spot, but I think you'll see a positive uh, flow going uh, in that regards. What's your prediction for this team this year? I mean, we have it's seventy-two games this year, right? So uh, the records are going to look a little like a little different than what we're used to, but. What is your overall feel on how this team is going to do? Are you thinking 
playing game? Do you think they can just clinch a playoff spot spot outright? I mean, there there are some things that are working for them with improved coaching, but we still have a really young team, as you mentioned, and it's still going to take time for these for these players to really get comfortable with the system and to rise and to really compete against some really good veteran teams around the league this year. So, I mean, what's your overall temperature check on this on how this team is going to finish this year? So. When you look at the teams in the East, I, I feel like there's locks in the in the East as far as playoffs. So I say Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, uh, Miami, Philadelphia, the Nets. Those are for sure locks. Now there's other teams I think they're still better than us. Indiana, I think um, Washington now with that Westbrook trade, I mm-hmm. think that they're probably in that seventh or eighth spot. Um, depending on how else they go, maybe they can move up a little bit more. But I think they're locked, I, f- I feel like, for the playoffs. I feel like Charlotte still is going to be better than us. I think they improved. I mean, you can you can criticize them for that contract they gave Hayward. <laughs> I mean, it's a ridiculous contract, and especially considering that uh, the tax that they have to pay, they're going to end up paying like almost $40 million a year for him and because of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those teams I look at, they're for sure better. So I'm seeing at best, unless something crazy happens that we talk about, like we see Wendell, we see Kobe, uh, maybe even Lowry take a huge step. I, I see maybe the realistic, the best they can do is like a, one of those playing spots. You know, what's interesting about this season is if you really just look at each conference and we'll just look squarely at the East, of course, but there's really not a team that is outright tanking that, I mean, there's bad teams. I mean, I think we expect the Knicks to be bad or Detroit to be bad, but maybe even Cleveland, but there's not really a team that's like just outright tanking this year. And you just look up and down the Eastern conference. There's so many competitive teams. I mean, you mentioned it, Milwaukee, Toronto, Boston, Indiana, Miami, Philadelphia, Brooklyn has Kevin Durant back, Orlando, uh, Charlotte should be a little better, as you mentioned. Washington should still be uh, competitive. I mean, it, it's going to be tough this year for sure. And the Bulls could be in the mix like uh, like maybe 9 or 10, 11, I think. Uh, I, I think a play-in game does sound realistic. I'm not sure if they can clinch a playoff spot outright, especially with like Brooklyn and Philadelphia, Miami. It's, it, yeah, I think <laughs> what what really hurt them was uh, sorry to interrupt you. I apologize. No, uh, I think the Washington trade for mm. because before this, you know, they didn't. Washington was probably a question mark as far as how good they'll be. But now, when you add when you're playing around Beal and Westbrook and Westbrook, you can say whatever about him in the playoffs, but in the regular season, he's still a high impact player. So he makes that team a lot better. Yeah, that's true. So is there okay, so let's say let's uh let's wrap up with this. So if the Bulls don't make the playoffs this year, and I know that was the expectation last year because uh the previous regime wanted to make the playoffs and they put that out there and of course that didn't happen, but this year that's not really being said. Even though players, of course, you want to play for the playoffs because you, as a basketball player, you're competitive. You know that's the goal. But if the Bulls don't make the playoffs, but they're they're entertaining to watch, they're competitive, players show improvement, 
they're responding to the coaching, young players are, are playing well. To you, is that a overall successful season? Yeah, I think if we see players improve, um, and the other thing success for me too is what uh, the front office does too because I'd like to see at some point some movement because I think once you get into the season, we'll we'll definitely have a good idea of what who's who and and who you probably want to keep going forward. Mm-hmm. And I'd like to see AK and obviously at that point maybe get a little aggressive and the trade market and obviously, you know, it takes two to tango, but I think you at that point, like I said, th- there will be opportunity for the Bulls to make moves. Um, if Larry isn't, you know, someone that you want to extend in the summer, maybe you can package him with something else to with Otto, maybe to you know get something that's better. Especially, we'll see if, if Giannis goes with his extension. It's sounding like he probably will by this end of this month. Um, that's what kind of the rumor mills have been, kind of uh, you know out there. So maybe it might make sense to you know make a trade where you add talent, um, even if it takes up some cap space this offseason. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I would I would see I would see that as a positive. They show improvement, and at least you're seeing right the arrows pointing at the right you know direction where we're not one of the worst offensive teams in the league. I mean, so we see some of them, but I don't expect like a top ten offense or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Again, the defense, you see some consistency that we're not where we're not just reliant on uh one player so heavily that when that one player goes out, our defense just completely crumbles. Um so yeah, th- those t- little things like that would definitely show me positive. And I think to be honest, we're going to find out pretty quick um, what direction the team may go this season. Because as, if you look at the schedule, I'm sure you have, man, we have that first, what, like 20 games. Yeah. It's brutal. It's brutal. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. That's the, uh, that's the other thing working against the Bulls this year. Those first 20 games are not, uh, they're not pretty. And uh, yeah, we're, we're definitely going to know pretty soon uh, the overall fate of a team uh, this season. But again, as you as you mentioned, that's fine. Like if the Bulls don't make the playoffs this year, but they just they're improved. They they play smarter. They play better. They play harder. The coaching makes sense. And we find out which players work with this system and which players don't and give Eversley and Karnishevitz a good idea. Then I think that's a great outcome. So I. Uh, I'm with it. I, I don't this season we're, we we probably shouldn't really hold them at the bar of you got to make the playoffs. If they make it, th- that's probably an overachievement. But if they don't, let's at least hope that they did everything else right. And they just they didn't get there because they're just young. And this is a competitive conference this year. Hey, and yeah. if worse comes to worse, let's say they completely tank and they look awful. This mm-hmm. draft is not a bad draft to be awful in, you know. I yeah. mean, granted, again, we have the new odds as far as lottery luck is concerned, but still, if you are have the have the shot, I'm not saying that I'm hoping that they do, but if they have the shot as at the one of the worst records in the league, you know, at the bottom three record, I'm not gonna complain. I'm mm-hmm. not gonna completely complain because, like I said, there's there's some really great guys in this draft, especially in that top five. If you, you you come away with it and you probably end up with a superstar potential, like a superstar potential prospect. Yeah. And obviously, Cade Cunningham being the, the grand prize of it all. Yeah, it's it's not the worst outcome at all. So if, if you get a high pick in this and a really strong draft, hey, you take it and you run with it. So it'll be interesting to see what happens this Friday, 
the Bulls' first preseason game. We haven't had Bulls basketball in this is nine months, right? Nine months. Yeah, yeah. man. That's why. That's yeah. why I'm mostly excited about just to watch this team play. Like I've, you know, I'm not. I, I, it's like I was joking. I'm ready to be hurt again, but you know, it's uh, it is. It, it's just excited to see this team because, like I said, you know, we we all complained last year about everything how uh, the team was playing with Jim Bowen and everything, and all of a sudden it was taken away from us abruptly. Mm-hmm. And eventually, you still like, man, I wish I could watch the Bulls. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. Yeah. There was a there was definitely a few months like after like after the season was like canceled or like postponed that I, I didn't really miss it. Cause it was just at, at that point it was, I don't want to watch that Jim Boylan team like anymore. Like I'm fine. But now where we actually have normal, we have an upgrade in coaching, new regime, plenty of things to be excited about, plenty of things to be interested in. It should be at least an entertaining season that won't hurt us nearly as badly as we've been hurt in the past. So I'm interested to see this preseason game and I'm sure Bulls fans are excited for Friday. So, uh, yeah, that that wraps up Bulls Gold. Uh, as always, you can catch up our past shows on Spotify, on iTunes, on Podbean, wherever you get your or wherever you get your podcast. And you can always catch us here on Nothing But Net Radio, part of Dash Radio, every Tuesday, nine eight Central in the morning. And for Salim Surwala, I'm Edward Schuler. And we will catch you next week, Bulls fans. Peace.